Well, this morning, um, the title of my message is Freedom and Confidence. Freedom and Confidence. Now, it goes along with what we studied, I think, a couple of weeks ago in, in the book of Ephesians on our Wednesday night, and the primary verse is Ephesians 3.12, but I thought I would read through chap- th- chapter 3, beginning at verse 7, through verse 13. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Now, this is Paul who is writing to the church at Ephesus. And the church at Ephesus, this letter is a little different than some of the other letters that are written. Sometimes people, well, people would come and visit Paul and they would present problems to him. Now, Paul's in prison. Uh, He is, and we find at the end that uh, he talks about being this prisoner. But he is... um, chained to a Roman soldier, but he's kind of under house arrest, as it were. He's not allowed, you know, he's under arrest, but he has freedom in the sense that people can come and visit him and talk to them and things. And so these individuals from different communities would come and present problems or present things that they would like Paul's opinion on. So he would write to them, and these are the letters, most of them that we have, to the different churches that Paul wrote to. And this is to the church at Ephesus. Now, the church at Ephesus didn't really have a major problem. They were doing pretty well. So um, these are, this is kind of what he is saying here as we, as we introduce this in, in verse 7. I became a servant of the gospel by the grace given me through the working of his power. And it's, and it's you know, what we were talking about in the sense that when Christ saves us, when we were having communion, it's through the, it's through the uh, God's grace, the gift of God's grace given to us that we are saved, that we are forgiven. You know, it's God's grace given to us to forgive us of our sins. Verse 8. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Now, of course, I can't skip over all of this because, you know, it's very important. You know, on Wednesday night we talked about this in the sense that Paul is not saying that he was a no-good, low-down guy. He is saying that of all the people who needed the grace of God to be a minister of, of the gospel, he needed it the most. So he wasn't saying, I'm no good, and God, God pulled me, you know, God made me good. He's saying that I needed God's grace more to preach the gospel just as much, if not more, than anyone else that preaches the gospel. And so God's grace is given to us. Verse 9. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is the primary verse that we'll be repeating over and over through our, t- our message today, but I'm repeating it from different versions to just kind of give us a couple of different words that fit here. That in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Okay? In him and through faith in him, in Christ, we may approach God. I may approach God with freedom and with confidence. Now, if we can understand that one thought, that one principle, I can approach God with freedom and 
and confidence. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Just waiting, you know. I can approach God with freedom and confidence. Isn't that right? Amen. There we go. But you see, we, how many t- if, if I ask you the question, do you think you can approach God with freedom and confidence? Well, you'd say, well, you know, I'm not that good. I'm, you know, I'm not that close, you know. I'm, you know, I come to church. You know, I listen to you. <laughs> no. Because of God's grace and his forgiveness given to us, we can approach God. We are to approach God. Now, where is it that God is? Okay, how are we going to approach God? Well, you can be right where you're at. At any moment of the day, right where you're at, you can think of God. You're approaching God. You don't have to go someplace secret. I'll be back in an hour, dear. Me, I'm going to go meet with God. I think he's over in, in Bedford today. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm gonna go visit with God in Bedford today. No, right where we are at, we approach God. And I approach God with freedom and with confidence. I can approach God with freedom and confidence. Now, I know that's a long sentence, but I want you to repeat it after me. It's not a long sentence. I'm jerking our chain. Okay. I can approach God with freedom and confidence. Are you ready? I can approach God with freedom and confidence. Amen. Now, what I'm also going to do is to look at how these texts that we are looking at here and how that Isaiah chapter 40, beginning at verse 25, I was, I was reading, and I, I was like, whoa, I wonder how these fit. I wonder how I can see what Isaiah is trying to say to Israel. Now, <clears throat> Isaiah is this wonderful, I mean, this, this guy is, talk about approaching God with freedom and confidence. Isaiah is this prophet that he writes about Israel going into captivity. He writes about Israel coming back from captivity. He writes about the Messiah. He writes about what's going to happen out in the future that was in the book of Revelation. This man is, you know, he's kind of like the prophet of prophets. Uh, You know, so if you look at all the prophets and who's the greatest of them, the who's who's of the prophets in the Bible, Isaiah's right up there. Now, Isaiah 40 says, Verse 1, verse 25, excuse me. I'm writing to Israel. To whom can you compare me? Who do I resemble, says the Holy One? Look up to the sky. Who created all these things, these heavenly gifts? He is the one who leads out their ranks. He calls them by name. And because of his absolute power and awesome strength, Not one of them is missing. (laughs) Okay? Now, we'll just not necessarily put this in context of where Israel's at in their history, but Isaiah's talking to us about the greatness of God. First of all, for you and I, what is there that we have known or experienced that we can compare God to? In our repertoire of life, What is there that we can say, well, that's just like God? Really, there's nothing. 
I mean, we get glimpses. We look up into the stars and, the, you know, the billions of light years away that those stars are and say, well, that's the, the handiwork of God. And God says, all of those, I number them and name them. They all have names and none of them could go away without my knowing it. <laughs> okay? So it's almost as good as my wife. <laughs> she can remember everything, you know? <laughs> and she does very well, believe me. So... I never win an argument, you know. I remember what you said. <laughs> I remember what you were wearing even when you said it. It was Tuesday afternoon at 4 o'clock, and you said you were wearing that red shirt, you know. <laughs> no, she doesn't do that. But we can look at this, and we can see how that God has put this here, and Isaiah is saying to the people, who can you compare me to? Well, now, if God has all the stars in place, and he names them, knows them. Do you think God ever gets anxious? <laughs> no. He doesn't get anxious. He doesn't get upset, as we would know our emotions to be. He doesn't, you know, fall into that category. And we, you know, we, I, I look at Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, what is it that we're supposed to do? I can come into the presence of God with what? With freedom and confidence. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. I can come before God with freedom and confidence. So that's my prayer and supplication. And let my request be made known to God. I am in this special relationship with God. But see, so are you. Every person who believes in Jesus as their Savior has this special place where we can come before God with our requests. Do not be anxious about them. Oh, what are we going to do now? <laughs> Don't be anxious. Pray. And you can come to God, he says, with freedom and confidence. Freedom and confidence. Bring your request to God. Now, sometimes when we are living our lives from our own personal objectives, we um, get centered on who we are, and we get centered on what we think we should be doing and where we should be going. But this doing it on our own gets to weariness and gets to apathy and gets to indifference, and all we're doing is spinning our wheels and getting nowhere because we're doing it on our time and in our way, and somehow we've left out God. And I want us to, I want us to notice something. The way, the same way we approach God is the same way we live our life. We approach life. So I am to come to God with freedom and confidence. I am to approach life with freedom and confidence. But you know, I'm not that good. I don't have this. I don't have that. I, you know, this people, that. No, no, no. Where did, where did God say, here we are coming to God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the guy who put the stars in the sky, knows every one of them by name. One of them, none of them go missing. He knows exactly where they're at. He tells you and I, you can come to me with freedom and confidence, and we can't live life with freedom and confidence? 
Hello. <laughs> God is telling us, come to me with freedom and confidence. Approach life with freedom and confidence because you're not doing it in yourself. We're living our, Christ is living through us to approach life. Say amen. That's a divine revelation. <laughs> it is. It is a revelation of the Holy Spirit, the revelation of God's word that he wants to impart to our lives. Now, so God's purpose for us is to share the good news, to share our life, to share that we don't have to have all the answers. All we have is what we know God has done in our life, and that's called our testimony. So we're just talking about what God has done for us, and when people, we, talk, we share what God has done for us, and people say, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? I don't know. All I know is this is what God has done for me. <laughs> we can figure out the rest later, but this is where we're at. You see, you can't explain to someone who doesn't know God about God. You can only tell them what you've experienced. I can tell you about Israel and the, the couple places I was at, but you'll only hear it through my experience, and you can say, well, I'd never heard that before. Well, I, did you see this? No. Did you see that? No. But this is where I was at, and this is what I experienced. Now, those things may be there, but I can't verify them. So in our life, there are people going to ask us questions we don't have the answer for. But we do know this. I was lost. I'm found. I have confidence and freedom to go before my Heavenly Father and make my request known to Him. He doesn't turn me away. And because I have that freedom to, to come before God, I have the freedom to come into life because he made me and this is the life that I live and he is with me in this life, so therefore I have the freedom and confidence. Isaiah 40, verse 27. He says, Why do you say, why do you say, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel? It's the same, same guy, but he's, you know, he's kind of, you know, Jacob, whose name was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And Jacob's name was later changed to Israel. <laughs> just had to make sure I had the sequence going. I knew it, but I just wanted to pretend like I didn't. So, <laughs> there was a little humor there. Why do you say Jacob, and why do you say Israel? The Lord is not aware of what is happening to me. My God is not concerned with my vindication. Okay. Isaiah, the people are challenging God that God doesn't know where they're at and that they need to be vindicated for the bad things that have happened to them. And they're challenging God, and Isaiah is saying this to them. The Lord, why do you say God is not aware? Why do you say that God is not concerned with your vindication? Well, in Romans we have, we know that God causes all things to work together for those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. So if we are aware or we've asked that same question that the children of Israel were confronting God with, and Isaiah responds, but God is not aware of what is happening to me. He certainly does know what happened to you. And vindicating me, 
making things right when people who were lying and cheating and did things wrong to me, God's not going to vindicate me? What's wrong with this picture? (laughs) You see, we are confident that God has chosen you. If God has chosen you, then he has a purpose for you. And God has a purpose for you, he will vindicate. He will set things right. And the more we try to make things right, the more that we complicate the issue. If anything is to be done, it must be done (laughs) by God and not by me. All the times that we try to vindicate ourselves and to make everybody understand, we always just end up making it worse. So we need to sometimes just stop and let, let ourselves know. You see, here's, here's Isaiah. Here's Ephesians. Here's the New Testament. Here's me. All of these things are like the other. <laughs> and they fit into our life. They fit into our picture, our capsule, our personal experience because every one of us have questioned God is does he know what he's doing look at what's happened when we were sick or when an accident or something happened and we're or we're going through a difficulty does God know what's going on and of course he knows and we know that God promises that everything is going to come together for a good so for us it is sad but many of our decisions are based on what people think so it's no wonder we arrived at the wrong place it's no wonder things have not gone the way they should because sometimes we've been making decisions not based on the confidence we have to come before God and come into life but we come into life wondering what people think and they are influencing our choices We need to know that this kind of confidence that is based on pleasing people doesn't take us very far. In fact, it makes our decisions, uh, it's like making our decisions on top of uh, sand. (laughs) That when the storms come and the wind, it just kind of crumbles and falls and the decisions won't last. But the moment the praise stops coming from people, that's whenever we start to feel vulnerable, and that's why doing what God says and praising God that in the difficult places, I know that I am making, I want God to help me make the decisions. So if I've made the decisions knowing that I have come before God with freedom and confidence, that I have this freedom and confidence, and God has given me this place that I stand, well then, even though these people don't like it or may be critical of it, I'm standing where God wants me to stand and I'll allow him to vindicate who I am. In the um, one translation of Ephesians 3.12, it says, In Christ we can come before God with freedom and without fear. Confidence. Without fear. We can do this through faith in Christ. So I can come before God with freedom and confidence without fear. (laughs) I can come before God with freedom and confidence without fear. Why would we be afraid? 
we're forgiven. He has forgiven us. And if God has forgiven forgiven me, there's nothing that stands between us. He wants me to know I have freedom and I have confidence and I have no fear of standing before God because I'm his and he's mine. Isaiah 40, 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is an eternal God, the creator of the whole earth. He does not get tired or weary. There is no limit to his wisdom. Well, I have confidence. I have freedom. I have without fear. God does not get weary. I'm sure he's weary of hearing me. (laughs) I'm sure he's weary of hearing my prayers because I've told him a hundred thousand times and he doesn't do anything about it. Well, it's all right. He's not weary of your prayers because where are you taking your prayers? You're taking them to him. We're not complaining to the people of life. You know, we're not complaining about God to all these people. We are telling them about God being in our life and we have this confidence and I'm not afraid of life and I'm not afraid of facing God and I'm not afraid of God being with me in every situation. I don't have any fear before God. Why should I fear the world? That which is anti-God. Why should I fear what is anti-God? Because I'm secure in Jesus Christ. Nothing shall separate me from the hand of God or from the love of God. We're familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, announces the Lord. I want you to enjoy success. I do not plan to harm you. I will give you hope for the years to come. Whoa, okay. I can come before God with freedom and confidence without fear. Why? Because God says, I want you to enjoy success. I do not plan to harm you. I will give you hope for the years to come. Amen. Do you see how this is working? You see, we set up the way we approach God. It, you know, I, 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 you know, I talk to lots of people. And some people come to me and they tell me, well, you know, I, I don't like to bother God. Hello. I don't want to bother him. I talked to him yesterday. It's like, where did you get these concepts? We get those concepts from human relationships. They're tired of listening to me complain, so I'm sure God is tired. They hung up on me, so I'm sure God hangs up on me. But you see, that's human. This is divine. This is the truth, the eternal truth of God that is revealed through the scriptures, and this is to take hold of our hearts and our minds. This is to hold our hearts and hold us in position that I'm standing on the rock, Christ Jesus, and nothing can... Nothing can shake this rock. That I have freedom, I have confidence without fear to come before God. <laughs> feelings. I was going to sing that song, Feelings, you know. Feelings. You're too young to know. So. But feelings will betray us. 
It's, we have to have feeling. I'm sorry. You know, people who, people who have no feelings are flatlined. You know what flatline is? You're dead. <laughs> you know, they put you on a monitor. You're flatlined. You're not there anymore. While feelings are, if we, if people who have no feelings, they're flatlined. All right, so we have to have feelings, but we have to govern them. Feelings can't govern us. We do not walk by feelings, we walk by faith. So the challenge for us is to understand our feelings and to understand our faith. Faith is the substance. Feelings are important. Facts anchor the emotions. Okay? We got to put a fact in place. It's our hammer, our stake, and it puts a, it puts a leash on our feelings. They can only go so far. And our feelings cannot interfere with the fact God loves me. I can come before God with with what? Freedom and emotions without fear. And that, that anchors me. And so whenever I feel like I'm alone and God doesn't hear me and I feel boo-hoo, I've got an anchor that says, no boo-hoo in you. You know, give that up, let it go, come back to the fact. So you let go of that emotion and you anchor it in the fact that God loves you and we have access to God. And even though I don't understand and even though I feel bad, it's okay. God is with me. It's going to be okay. Whenever we never feel confident enough to accomplish what we set out to do, we need to take the leap of faith. Is you what the leap of faith is? Faith is a substance. Faith is a substance. Faith is not imaginary. Faith is the substance. The substance of our faith is Jesus Christ. We have a very real God. We have a very real problem. We have a very real faith. Now, let's deal with our situations. <laughs> See? A very real God. Jesus is alive. Because he lives, I shall live also. We took communion. <laughs> And Jesus said, I'll not take of this again until I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. So he's planning on having us for dinner. <laughs> he's planning on having you for dinner. Amen. What's he going to serve? I don't know, but we're going to have bread and wine. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't drink, and we don't drink and don't have, I wonder if it's fermented. You know, that's a whole different... That's a whole different subject. The scripture just fell out of my desk. But anyhow, <laughs> probably about talking about wine just got disaster in my feet. So the next time you feel insecure about something, try asking yourself these questions. Is the enemy trying to prevent me from doing God's will? Would God be glorified if I moved forward in this? Remember Isaiah's words? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is eternal God, the creator of the whole earth. He does not get tired or weary. There is no limit to his wisdom. So ask God what he wants to be done. <laughs> going before God, going before man, why should I fear man? 
Psalm 43 says, why am I so sad? Why am I so upset? Emotions, feelings. I should put my hope in God, fact, and keep praising him, fact. He is my Savior and my God, fact. You see how those things are anchored? And our emotions say, why should I be sad? Why should I be upset? Don't I know that my hope is in God? And hope does not mean wishful thinking. I hope it doesn't rain or snow today. Hope is saying there is a definite place that I have in God. Now, the amplified version of Ephesians 3.12, which we've been reading, in whom we have boldness and confident access. What did we start out with? Freedom and confidence. Here in the Amplified, it says boldness and confidence. Confidence without fear, freedom with boldness. <laughs> See how this keeps expanding? See how the entrance into what God wants us to do keeps expanding? Isaiah says he gives strength to those who are tired. Freedom, boldness, access without fear. He gives, free, he gives strength to those who are tired. To the ones who lack power, he gives renewed energy. Even the, youth get, even the youth gets tired and weary. Even strong young men get clumsy and stumble. <laughs> See, we're not doing this in our own strength. We're not doing it in our own hope. We're not living our life by our own means. We are living our life by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ who liveth in me. Jesus doesn't have a problem standing going before the Father. Well, we belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to us, and he's telling us, you don't need to have a problem coming before the Father because you belong there just as much as I do. When you know what you know, this is one of those pussy things. When you know what you know and why you know it, you will build confidence. <laughs> when you know what you know and you know it. When you know that we have confidence and freedom without fear and boldness, when you have all this together, when you know what you know and you know it, we will not have a problem coming before God. In Isaiah 30, 40, 31, but those who wait upon the Lord. <laughs> For those, those who wait upon the Lord, waiting is not impatiently when you're going to do this. Waiting upon the Lord is just spending time thinking about, wow, I, have, I can come before God with freedom and confidence, boldness without fear. I can come before God with all those things. Wow, how wonderful that is for me. Those who wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord's help, find renewed strength. They rise up as if they had eagle's wings. They run without growing weary. They walk without getting tired.
For God has not given us a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy. So we don't have a spirit of fear. We don't have a spirit of being timid. I don't know if I should go before God today. Hey, boldness is not, just pushes over that timid spirit. But of power and of love and of self-discipline. Self-discipline is a sound thinking that I know what I know and I know it. That's the self-discipline. And anything that we should, and anything we do should come from a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, of a, of a self-discipline. I am not afraid of approaching God. I'm not afraid of living life. I have fear. Why? I have fear. Why? <laughs> God made me and he made this life and he's giving me this access to God who knows all the stars and they're all in place and if any one of them falls, he knows them by name. He knows what happens if God can be all of that. He can be, he's in me and I'm in him and he has put this life together for me. This special life that I live, he has put together for me and I'm going to keep living it until I go home to supper. <laughs> Ephesians 3.17, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence, without fear, with boldness. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Did you notice the same way we approach God is the same way we are to approach life. Love, boldness, confidence. We are safe in the hands of our Father. Amen? Father, we thank you that you have given us your word. Help us, Lord, to know what we know and to know it is so much that we do it. We live it. Not in our own strength, but in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, there's so much we need to grow on and know. But God, let us begin with this simple idea. We can come before you with confidence, without fear, with boldness, with love, with appreciation, with praise that you are our savior, you are our friend, and that there is nothing from your part to us that stands between us. So Lord, don't let our thinking interfere with where you want us to be in your presence. In your presence. In your presence. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you, God, for being with us. In these moments that we pause, Lord, let your Holy Spirit confirm, affirm, impart, stamp your image. Whatever it is, Lord, make it real to our hearts and minds that we will never fear approaching you and we will never be afraid of life. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen.
And what are we to do? We are to approach God with confidence and freedom. Freedom and confidence. Huh, that was the title of my sermon. God bless you.